And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So, so many people are building things, not enough of them are testing. Why do you test things? So you have a better product, you have a better output. And then for those of us that have started a software company or anything else, oftentimes to protect our own sanity, because I sure feel a whole lot better when we launch something and it actually works. That's what we're going to talk about today. So today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Double, and that's a flexible assistant service for busy executives that matches you with an experienced assistant and you only pay for the hours you need. You tell Double everything you're looking for in an assistant, and they match you with an experienced, dedicated remote assistant. Double handles all the upfront, time-consuming items such as interviewing, matching, onboarding, invoicing, and training. You can go to with Double. that's W-I-T-H, double.com today, and you get 50% off your first month when you sign up and use the code HUSTLE22. Once again, with double.com, there's a link for that in the show notes and use the code hustle 22. Let me check my math on that 50%. Yep. That's exactly half off. So go check it out. What is here in full and not just half is my guest today. And today's guest is Jeff Weiner. Jeff is the CEO and co-founder of Real Quantum. It's a real estate platform. Now, while you're going for that with double.com link, you'll find one for realquantum.com straight out of my hometown and here live in the studio, a former guest and back for more. I'm surprised. I'm surprised we got you back, Jeff. So welcome back to Startup Hustle. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be back. Yeah. So we were reviewing when you were last here, when your episode aired, and that was January of 2021. That's a long time ago. I think we've probably had 400 or so episodes. So why don't we just start over and remind everyone of what your backstory is and what you guys do at Real Quantum as well? Yeah, Absolutely. Matt, I love what you guys are doing here at the Startup Hustle. So many great topics. I've, I haven't been able to listen to all thousand of them, but you are absolutely on my rotation uh, every week. So um, my background, I'm the CEO and co-founder at Real Quantum. It's a software as a service platform for commercial real estate valuation. And uh, my background's not in the commercial real estate space. It's been tech. I, w- I did the, the Fortune 50 telecom thing for a long time, decided to escape the corporate world and um, switch to the startup world. So I, did a, I worked with another company and we did um, some really cool core tech and video streaming. And that was sold off to another local Kansas City private equity firm to combine with another IoT company. And then we switched to doing this. And you know, the fun thing about... Um, being in a startup and being in a tech startup is just, it's, it's very difficult on, on a hundred different ways, but the things that I really enjoyed about it, um, the primary thing 
is that, you know, when I was at my last company, we used to do a lot of custom dev and we would see people with ideas that were business focused and they thought, all I have to do is hire some coders in Vietnam and I'll be a millionaire, right? And everybody who is tech focuses, all I have to do is build this code and I'll sell it and I'll be a millionaire. Well, they were both wrong, uh, usually. And it was only when I was in the situation where we had a pair of co-founders and they appreciated the contribution that the other one made. That was successful. And what I found with Roquanum is we were getting this group together. That was the case. And it's been the case. And so it's been a wonderful ride. You know, it's, it's interesting when I talk to founders that have seen an exit and then they sign up for it again. You know, my, my, uh, my co-founder here at Startup Hustle, Matt Watson, and my business partner at Full Scale, you know, he, he did it. And, right. and, you know, depending on which day of the week you ask Matt, that's a good decision or wasn't. Uh, but I think, I think that so many people that are entrepreneurs just know that's what we do. And there's only, it's only so long before you can, you can sit still. Now, we were talking about the, you know, quality. And I mentioned something in the intro about the sanity and uh, that, that, being able to test and just, I don't know, like for me, I, I, I'm just real hesitant and real protective of putting my name or my company's name on something that could potentially be crap. And so much of that is, is, you know, when we talk about like what we were talking about, why testing, you know, unfortunately so many people that, that reach out and want to use the services of full scale, they, they're always asking for developers and not asking for testers. No, and they should. And you know, the, 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 for, for starters, when you have people that support other roles, it will kind of put that role on steroids. I'm a big, now that I've, now that I've gained more experience, I'm not older. I've just become more experienced. That's right. That's how it works. But I, I've learned <laughs> that it's best to put people in roles, like like keep, do things to keep your developers developing testers testing, your salespeople selling, right. you know, and all that stuff. And, you know, when you, when you think about that and what you've built in the past, I mean, what are some of the, the where do you want to start? Well, it's a good question, right? So, so when you're talking about cars today, nobody asks why crash testing, you know, we all mm-hmm. appreciate that. But well, I remember, um, but I remember driving around in like the back of like a shitty Datsun with my mom <laughs> and like no seatbelt. And they're like, you're in the back seat. You're good. Right. Right. No crash dust dummies were harmed. The creation right. of that vehicle. Or, or children. Right. Or, or probably a lot were actually. Right. But uh, when it comes to business and consumer applications and software, um, you know, people do ask that. And so what we, so Matt, you and I were talking before we got started is, is I actually have fairly strong opinions about this that have changed significantly. Right? And so um, the importance of it is you don't want to produce a product that's crap and you want to be able to have division of labor so you can developers can develop and your sellers can sell and product, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, the arguments that have you've been used in the past and I've used it too is one of the ways that you make sure that the development team um, doesn't take risks is you take the guardrails away. If there are no testers, and I've talked to my last company, we didn't have any QA. Um, And I've talked to other founders and things that don't use QA. The developers test extensively and then product picks up the slack. And 
there is merit to the idea that if the developers don't have guardrails, they're going to be more careful. But of course, the complexity of your product only gets to a certain point before that's just not practical. And like you said before, right, if they're going to be um, focused on maximizing their productivity as an engineer, spending uh, another sprint testing the stuff they wrote in the prior sprint is not as efficient and they're not professional testers. So if you're going to get anywhere on an app that is of any kind of material complexity, certainly user experience complexity, you've got to have somebody besides the developer. But yeah, you've, you've probably run into, like you said, you've run into a lot of people that ask you for developers don't seem to have nearly as much interest. Well, the most common, the most common thing that comes up and I feel like it's, it's asked from a position of inexperience is, so this is actually kind of a red flag question. They'll say, well, if the developer's doing good, shouldn't they be testing their own stuff and it should be fine? Right. That's not really the way perspective (laughs) works, you know? And that's the thing is, is you can get so close to something. And I always, I remember when I, long before I was an entrepreneur, and I had just gotten a job after college and my dad, I didn't get a promotion that I wanted. And I felt mm-hmm. like the whole world had just closed. And the, and my dad said, right now, you, son, you feel like the door slammed in your face and you're so close to the door. You can't, how, how do you know you're not in a whole entire hallway of open doors? Like take a minute and look around and see what's going right. on. And it was really, and, and you know, that's a, not an uncommon bit of advice to give someone that didn't get what they wanted, but perspective really is thing. And if you've been building something, especially if you're really in the weeds, you've been doing it. It's just, I think it's really easy to not consider what could be different or what could be wrong. Right. And, you know, absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point. So, um, you know, and, and lots of people, so there's, there's people that need to hire developers because they're not engineering savvy, software engineers. I'll ask questions like that. I get questions. Why do we need marketing? <laughs> why do we need, what does a tester do? What's a project manager do, right? So, so I don't mind those things because, um, because, you know, if everything was all figured out already, they wouldn't need people like us. But, um, but you know, there's a lot of pe- other people too that have had just this bad experience with QA, right? So, like I said at the top, my background is big fortune company experience, and unfortunately, I've had too much experience with the big, the Fortune 100 company that has a big corporate IT operation that's building something large and maintaining it internally, and so they contract with another big Fortune 100 company for. Uh, what seems like um, this giant slew of mediocre testers that they are renting by the ton, right? And so they have this bad experience, right? It's like, well, the, the, with the theory that if you throw enough spaghetti at the wall, eventually you'll cover it or whatever, whatever analogy you want to use. Um, and I kind of, I'll admit, I had that, ex- had sort of that mindset as I was running software engineering teams and as a, as a software engineer, then I realized there's absolutely no way. I'm certainly not going to expect my engineers to know the end-to-end system. Um, my division alone was 500 people, thousands of people, billion-dollar budget. Right? Nobody in my team is going to do it end-to-end, and you had to do that. So it was you do your best to find good testing, but you can't let that um, say throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
but I did. I was in that situation. Like, is it always really this dysfunctional? Is it this bad? Right. And so I had to leave. Um, and then be in an environment where there was really good testing going on and it's amazing. So now I'm so fortunate right? and I'll give a plug to, to full scale, right? So Row Quantum is a, is a small startup operation. We're growing fast. We've, we've um, sourced some QA talent from, from your company and we've hired in on our own and there's, it works well. And one of the ways that I know it works well is the QA members are an extension of our product team and our extension of our customer success team, right? So we, our product team gets questions and, um, and often it's me directly, right? So how, how do you want it to work this way or that way? And when everybody's working in sync, it's wonderful. The developer will say, Hey, I think what the requirement said was X. So I did this. Does that look right? And the tester Yes. Wonderful. Great collaboration or a production issue will come through. And the first thing that happens is if we're worried it's a bug is our QA lead or one of the QA people validates it. Requirement, they have great data. No developer has been interrupted from the sprint right? as they've been charging along. They validated that. Yes, it's an issue because they've been in the code. And then the developer has a pinpoint place, real data, specific examples, not a, it's making a noise. I'm not sure what the problem is from the customer. And so I'm, I've, I've absolutely come full circle since I started. You know, one of the things that I've learned from building software for over 10 years now is that any software platform has a very small number of core features or functions that if any one of them is broken, or not working, you have no business doing anything else until they're fixed. And oh yeah. You look at like Gigabook. We'll just use that as an example. If it's an appointment booking platform, if you can't make an appointment, it's broken, <laughs> right? It doesn't yeah. work. And like, yeah. and, and so you go to real quantum. And once again, if you want to learn more about what Jeff does at this business, there's a link in the show notes, but realquantum.com. So you guys do like real estate valuation. If it was putting in, so you put an extra zero on something, Right, it's a if problem. That, that would be a big problem because, by the way, that that's turns a hundred thousand into a million. You know, it's, you know, it's it, like it, it, they're they're so important, right? So I made my little joke about crash test dummies. Um, people don't people have to ask why, but that's that's great. I mean, my first job um, out of college was in a billing system for a big telecom, and. Somebody put, so it was COBOL, right? So this is a little indication about how long ago it was. Um, they put a period in the wrong place when they were doing a bug fix. Six minutes cost $1 million. Yeah. Boom, just like that. Yeah. So the impacts are, are a big deal. And you're right, for real quantum, um, our calculation engine is it probably twice or three times the complexity of Quicken or TurboTax. There's just a crazy amount of stuff that's going on. And so that calc engine has to be right. We replace um, our competitor essentially is Excel, right? Which is the case with a lot of financial products out there. Our competitors Excel. Well, if the user messed up their formula in Excel, well, they can be mad at themselves. And, and um, but, you know, if, if we did, then they're thinking, well, I should have just stayed with Excel. 
kind of thing. So we don't want to do and that. And that's all it takes to lose a user. It can be all it takes no. to use a user, lose yeah. a user. So um, we test the, the heck out of our product and we spend especially uh, an excessive amount of time just really being careful about the calc engine. We're a, pro we're a source of record app, right? Which means it's an app that it's not like Spotify that can go on in the background or off to the side. They're using our product. They're using our product every day. So absolutely, it has to be right. And we know little things too, like you said, all kinds of different things have to work together. In our test environment this morning, a couple hours before a client had to do a demo in it, um, all zero failed. It was just a token. It expired. You reset it. But that meant if you had logged out, you're not logging back in. So none of the awesomeness that was inside of that test environment was available. So uh, thankfully, in that case, our customer success and our QA team and the person responsible, the one person responsible in the development team worked together. The developer probably had a few minutes of work and it was back up and running. Yeah. And the, now that said, developers like that kind of support. If they get the right support and mm -hmm. there's an evolution, like one of the things that you mentioned that, I, you know, prior to us hitting record, I hadn't really thought about. But, it, but I, I know is that good QA does uh, kind of evolve into that product, you know, right. and you get the people that, so if you want to be a, a, a tester, it takes to do it successfully and be really good at it. It takes a certain personality type that is not mine. That is not mine. I yep. mean, you're talking about people that, you know, and testing comes in a couple of different, you know, forms. And if we want to keep it in just two categories, manual or automated. Right. You can't, yeah, we've you can't been talking about uh, manual so far. Yeah. And you can't automate anything unless you first know how to do it manually, because that's the progression of that. You have to know what you want to test and how you want to test it. And, you know, but, but with that, you got to have someone that can sit there and mm -hmm. do it over and over and over again. And then you mentioned like the, like the cheap rental, like the lower quality output or service. These mm -hmm. are people that are going to like this this button works, this button does not work. Right. When you get people that are good at this process and really understand it, they're going to take it to a different level mm -hmm. and begin to understand, okay, uh, why do we, why are we doing three or four steps here? Cause I've done this 10 million times. And for me, rule one of building software or any feature of it is answering this question. Is this annoying? And you mentioned with real quantum, you mm -hmm. said if our users are in there, they're using it all day, every day. Right. So the same way of, of something being broken, if something's annoying, well, we, we mentioned Excel. Remember the paperclip guy? Like, the, the, was he on Microsoft Word? Lippy? Yeah, he's he like worst. literally one of the most hated icons of all time because he was annoying, right? So if anything about it, so, so, you know, QA is also going to help. If you get the right people, they're going to think critically about the product and, and begin to come up with ways to even make it better. Right. And, and you look at that repetition, I think, and I'm bringing this up because this is something you want to look for. This is a healthy sign in a team where your testers are going to work with product. Now, part of one of the things that we do at Gigabook that some people might not consider as well. So we would, you know, Gigabook has a lot of moving parts. It's kind of like real quantum. There's like all these little gears and timings and, mm -hmm. and connections. And, you know, if any one of them breaks, it can kind of mess up a lot of different stuff. So we use intercom, which is like live chat for support. Right. And we were finding that most of the time, so our QA is actually also our live support. 
because we actually had some right. people that did live support. Mm -hmm. And then we found that 99% of the time they were just sending it over to QA. Yeah. So, so we're like, you know, we, because no one's going to, no one knows how to work all of it mm -hmm. on the whole platform better than the QA. So, so, so we kind of, we actually kind of removed a step out of the process. Yeah. We create, we opened up some resources because no one really wanted to do the live support anyway, but if 99% of the time, so we used to send it to the developer and the developer was 90% of the time. So this is user error. Right. And it was. And so, yeah, so it really evolved into a lot of a, a, a much cleaner process and became really efficient. So we're able to identify problems and get them to a developer. Kind of like you mentioned earlier, that bang, bang repetition, because right. all your users care about is, is, does it work? It's a very binary thing for them. And that's sure. a yes or a no, whether that's a token that doesn't let you sign in or a period being in the wrong place or, or a button clicking and not giving you the result the, all the user thinks about is a zero or a one It works. Yes or no. Right. And, and um, yeah, because they don't want to should, nor should they need to understand what's happening behind it. So it also helps, right? There's a couple of different kinds of testing depending on things. So in the case of real quantum, Hundreds of screens, thousands of calculations that occur in the background, thousands and hundreds of, uh, of database attributes, but it's a very screen heavy user experience. There's a fair amount of inter API interactions on the back end. And so a lot of the testing we think about is user interface testing, just because even though we have APIs and, and database and we want to scale testing, et cetera, that's of course, like you were saying, that's manual intensive. And um, the next thing we'll be doing is we're looking forward to, and I'm going to be calling you about this, right? As soon as we're ready to get some more automated going, going automated user experience testing. So other apps that are really heavy API work, you can't, you don't really spend that much time on the front end. You really spend a ton of time on the back end interactions. It's in a really different skill set. So, um, our recipe that seems to work pretty well at Real Quantum, and we're on a journey. You know, we've been growing really fast. Our team's a lot bigger than it used to be just a few months ago. Uh, so we're dealing with some of those growing pains, but overall it's working. Is that, you know, the developers do test. They need to test. They need to, in a continuous integration, automated testing environment, they want to have, um, automated test coverage with as much of their code as possible. And we're on that journey so that, um, and then of course we have um, other things that we do, right? So we do security penetration testing and we have a, a vendor tool. That we have API testing, we have um, load and performance testing need to get done. And we have a ton of tools. Really all of that's by and large run by the development team. At a certain point, we're going to get big enough that we need to have um, a test automation engineer and or DevOps. But because of the way that our product has been built, um, we're actually a Ruby on Rails stack, which is, as you and I have talked before, it's hard to find good engineers. I shouldn't say that. It's hard to find engineers, enough engineers in that stack just because it's a little, it's not as popular. But, um, but it served us really well. And so um, the developers tend to do most of that. And then it really comes down to the QA team to really understand the connection between the customers, the requirements and what the screens are doing. And it's, it's, it's at a point now where our QA lead 
often does the demos of new features at the end of the sprint, like you were saying. Because they, they get it. They, right. they understand more about, because right. testing it is just repetition. Sure, and they have, yeah. they have all the data at their fingertips because they've been testing. Some of it's not always the prettiest because it's d- designed to check the extremes, but, um, but they have all the data and they can do a really good job. And um, some of the best testers are either have in the past also that I've encountered have either been really good trainers for users or in one model that I was with for a while, the test, the, the business analyst would be at the beginning of the sprint would be the tester to test it. Rotation, the analyst would always test. In our case, back to that scale comment you made at the beginning, testing team has a lot of test cases to run. So they support care and product, but they're really just focused. Yeah, and and I do wanna thank the testers of the world for doing such a better job at that than I would on a daily basis. I wanna talk a little bit about the sanity side of why testing's a good thing as a software founder. But as a reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Double, the experts in pairing founders with remote executive assistants that you can trust. Startup Hustle listeners can go to withdouble.com, that's W-I-T-H, double.com. Use the code HUSTLE22 and Unlock 50% off your first month, or you can, you can just click the link in the show notes while you're down there. Go to Real Quantum, learn a little bit more about what they do as a reminder on that. With me today, I've got Jeff Weiner, who is the CEO and co-founder of Real Quantum. Go to realquantum.com, doing fun and interesting things with numbers. <laughs> what do you do? I do fun and interesting stuff with numbers. Now, uh, I I probably should have led with this, but you know the definition of quality assurance, which is QA, it's uh, it's the definition suggests that quality assurance refers to the attitudes and processes needed to ensure ready for market software products that they perform as they've been envisioned at the design stage. And QA enables the delivery of the highest possible quality and software products. Okay, that's one definition, but for me, it delivers peace of mind. And peace of mind doesn't, it's actually has infinite value because I think that what I've learned is that without it, not much else has much flavor. <laughs> and, and so you talk about the, right. the sanity piece of it. Okay, so if you're, this is what it's like. If you're, uh, all right, so if in the history of, of Gigabook, we were able to know when it was broken because our phone would like never ring. And then all of a sudden it was just like, Oh my God. It was like where right. uh, we know something was broken. So users are sometimes testers. <laughs> we, we, always, which, which here's the thing is, is okay. So on the surface level, it's validating because you're like, wow, we've built something really useful because look right. how pissed they are when it doesn't do what they need right. to do. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm going to hurry up and, and get this right. So the, look, the, the, <laughs> the, the best way to, to not have that situation come up is to catch it before you make it right. live or in the technical terms, before you move it to your production environment. Now, I just think for the sanity side of things, both as a business owner, as a founder, as a member of a team, I just feel that like the sanity side, look, what I just described is fun for nobody. 
it's not fun for your users. No. It's not fun for you. It's definitely not fun for your team. A lot of times if stuff like that occurs, you may even find that you are waking people up. Get, hey, it's right. on fire. Hurry up. And, uh, you know, so many people have distributed teams. There's people working all around the world and that can be a real challenge. And, and, you know, so, so for when it comes to your overall peace of mind and organizational sanity, like a clean release is the way to do it. And, and just, but that can be tough to do. You talk about things like, well, why don't you automate it? Okay. So I'm going to paint a little picture for you here. If you're going to set up an automated test, you have to maintain that test as well, right. which means every little change or anything you make is going to break the test. Mm -hmm. So the idea of that is to get it to get your stuff to a point of stability where most of the meat and potatoes of the testing is happening in an automated and repetitive way. And that can launch your updates and everything a lot faster. But once again, you have to understand how to do it on a basic level. As advice, I want to give once again the tip that you identify the things. And this isn't like you should know, like you know 10 things at real quantum that if they are messed up, you have no business doing anything else until they're fixed. Start with that. And like, whether you have a QA tester or whether it's someone in your product or whether it's you now back to that peace of mind, nothing drives me crazier than, uh, than a team saying, Hey, look, this is ready to go. And you're like, okay, I'll take a look at it. And the very, like in under one minute, you find three things wrong with it. Right. Not good for peace of mind. And, and everything. So, you know, that's, that's where I, I think so much of it, it, it matters. And then, you know, the next component of that is, and this is just like the, the simple math of business is if a QA tester hypothetically makes less than a developer, do you, should you pay someone $2 an hour to do what someone else does for $1 an hour or $20 an hour composed to 10 or however, whatever that math is, it comes out. And then I think back to the fact that for people that have chosen testing seem to like it. And yeah, it, it's, it's, like, it's like, a, it's like a, it's like a, it's almost like sadomasochistic in the way that they are, uh, <laughs> you know, cause, cause I struggle with it. It's like that. I, I don't, I have ADD. I need to do different things in different times and different stuff, but a good QA really like likes to find the air. I appreciate Mark. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt, you coming in for this QA interview, but I don't think it's going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you do not want to. I, 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 but, I, but on the product side, I, I'm actually I consider myself very high level on the product side. But that's but by the time you're talking about that, when you're doing product planning or yeah. any of that, you're working under the assumption that it actually works, right? So you know, so Matt, you brought up, you know, it's a good point. Um, Having all the different types of testing uh, worked out based on the kind of application software you have is really um, and that at the same time, we love the idea of delegation so people can specialize and also you have the right cost model, but it doesn't replace collaboration, right? So you still need somebody to go back and step away from the test cases and the test data and the code and everything else and just look at it. And whether that's somebody in product or in your case, founder, or, uh, CEO, um, I love to do that too. In fact, um, I'm more heavily involved in the product process than I think I will be next year. So I'm really enjoying it now until we get too big, but you have to look at it end to end because nobody 
at the micro level will be able to look at it the way that you can looking at it with fresh eyes, you know, and lots of industries do that. You know, I, I remember, and I, I apologize for anybody who's familiar with rules of journalism because I got this from a TV show, but watching it where they have a certain group of individuals in, in the news team that aren't aware of a story that's being written. And they're specifically there. They do that so that when the story is about ready, they give it to those individuals to read, to see if they miss something, you know, and that's, that's another really good technique. You've got to have fresh eyes and something. Well, so it's, like, it's like red team, blue team. And that's it. And I that's, think that's what they called it too. Like, yeah. Yeah. So red team and blue team is, is like the blue team is all right. Let's say you have 10 people in a room and when you demand a, a red, a blue team, red team environment, at least one person has to vehemently take the opposite position of the other team. No. Oh. So yeah, it's not necessarily a testing thing, but it could be like, hey, I think that, that you know, this is the route that we need to take. And then mm-hmm. the, the red team person is forced to, okay. to I mean, and so I, kind and of a I, formalized and I mean devil's actively, advocate. like you can't, like you, you, you're almost unswayable. You're the member of the jury that cannot be convinced immediately yeah. to take the route of, of guilty or innocent. Yeah. Think. Yeah. And so, but that's a fresh set of eyes in a lot of ways when you force And so that's that, that diversity of opinion and input and, you know, so much of that. So there's a, I don't know if you saw it, there was a a really funny video that was going around Facebook for a while and it, it, it it was labeled uh, software developers during QA testing. Mm -hmm. And it had a a lady and she had like, there was like a toy for kids and, you know, like, you have like the moon shape will go through the star mm-hmm. shape will go through. Well, a lot of those shapes would go through the square yeah. spot if you just turn them a little differently. So the, the, you know, the, the look on the face was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that that worked. And yeah. that did too. And so, Oh my God. And so did that. And that's back to that perspective. And I think that just, sure. just contributes to a, a better product overall. Now, one thing you you can come up with though is so the one thing we haven't talked about here at all is human nature. So have you ever had have you ever worked with someone who's just terrible at taking feedback? Like no matter what, uncoachable. Yeah, and so that that can be a problem though because yeah. with QA, like I mean, all right, so I'm your Q, Jeff. This is broken. What do you mean it's broken, man? This isn't broken. It works. <laughs> no, I'm literally using it right. Well, you but it works for what I built it for. Yeah, but you built it to do that and it needs to do three <laughs> things, not just one, which according to this means if all three aren't checkboxes, it's broken. Right. Well, F you, man. And you know, so you can get some heated stuff in there. And then, you know, and, and yeah. on, well, on the flip side of that too, is I've had a couple QAs in the past that so they come back and they're like, okay, this. Okay, first off, for anyone out there, it's broken is the worst feedback you can give anybody that builds anything. <laughs> like, don't ever come and tell me it's broken. Tell so me what. I have to, yeah. I, I won't use any names, but I have, um, it was a really clever slash um, dastardly technique that a business client would have on that. And um, whether it was the code, the requirements, whatever, the, if, if, if wasn't working like they wanted it to it was a quote broken experience yeah and i'm thinking what the heck do i do with this that's right? actually like that's <laughs> that's a really tricky way to put it too because right. if it is because i can make a strong argument so that if 
if perception broken experience, it, it was, like, but what am I supposed to do? Well, then it is like, I don't know how you, I don't know. Right. I'm not even sure the best of attorneys could argue out of right. that position. Cause he, they, they say it's that, not that much different than it makes me feel sad. Well, if someone sorry, perceives dude, sure you, if they perceive it to be crap, then at least in their <laughs> world it is. Now, right. now where I was going with this as well is, is sometimes when it comes to testing, I think you got to, uh, got to avoid this and look for it is I've had some testers will come back and they're like, okay, this is, this error is occurring. And I'm like, how did you even arrive at this? And right. they're like, well, on the 19th time that I did this. And, and, and so you got to also look at some of this stuff and, and say, okay, we tried a little too hard to break it. Well, like what, what's the use case where someone would actually be editing their appointment in Gigabook for the 19th straight time? And yeah, if that's the case, I'm going to go ahead and just let that one, that fish swim away from the boat. So that's a really, all right. So that's a good thing. Well, you can spend a lot of time fixing that stuff. It can be a real suck on your resource. It can be. I love the fact that, um, that really good, um, QA testers and analysts will be able to really dig into all the permutations and find stuff because of course human nature is as we follow the happy path yeah we don't really think about all the things that could go wrong let's define that real quick happy path is 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 the, the is normal the, the normal ex- yeah. user experience path where everything works as it should meaning all the things that i do that i expect to happen right? or you get affirmative answers right i'm yeah. coming to the uh, startup hustle studio and i didn't get stopped by the road construction on state avenue get stopped by every single stoplight. So we don't think about somebody who tries to put bogus data in um, a date, puts alpha characters in a dollar, you know, those kinds of things. And so making sure that it's tested on the thresholds is really good. And I just had one of those that came up yesterday and I thought, obviously that's something that we should have caught. So, um, but the point, if I'm tracking with you, Matt, is that there's, there is a threshold of risk management that you have to take. Um, you want the tester, the testing organization to be very thorough, and that's the personality type you want. Um, but there'll be a point, right? So you as a business owner, or if, you're, if you have um, functional responsibility for vision or something like that, you have to make that. So... Testing creates peace of mind to a point. Some people are afraid to let it go. Well, we might need to delay the release another week, another week. I'm not sure. You have to be able to step out and, and uh, take that risk and you do your best through good testing and other things to be able to um, mitigate that. So you do feel confident going in, but you can't test forever. People get caught in that. So one of the things probably is very popular is the gating versus non-gating issue, right? Is gating is, is it bad enough that we can't put this in production? Um, because, and certainly it was the case with the big corporate projects, you know, with real quantum, we'll run into a handful of little things, cosmetic stuff that it's not worth to stop the train. Um, but in a really complicated corporate release, there could be hundreds of things and there needs to be a governance process to decide what's gating and what's not what needs to what who's going to stand in front of the train and tell it to stop versus not and some of that is back to um you know making a, a educated risk calculation 
and being bold about it and putting in some mitigation plans to uh, and just being careful what rat, what hole you're going to crawl down because right. these holes get deep and like when I'm talking about like I mean there's just some rare combinations of use case and sure. you're like uh so you know it can start with just trying to figure out how people use your stuff mm-hmm. and you know like I said protecting that that 99% like for example if you can't log in okay now it is broken right but don't say it's just broken what's what's matter it's broken it doesn't work that that doesn't help and right. that's they're giving feedback and Finding solutions is a whole nother thing. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by our friends over at Double. Double's remote executive assistants can help you with everything from email and calendar organization to expense reporting and database management. Find your perfect assistant today. Head over to withdouble.com and use the code HUSTLE22 and unlock 50% off your first month. Even easier, it's just you know, if you can't remember with double.com, just scroll on down and use that link in the show notes while you're there. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. So you make sure to help us QA that our episodes come out every day at varied times. Because as we were talking before you recorded your last uh, time in, people listen, mm-hmm. it's 78 countries. We've had listeners in over 190. I quit counting wow. at 190. It's been a little more. I've been told there are 202 countries total. Today, but, but there's no real QA on that either because people disagree about what right. some of that is. And right. yeah, so we, that's been a, a very interesting journey. It's uh, thanks for coming back. It's yeah, uh, thank yeah. you too, Matt. Um, love again, love what you guys are doing. Love talking about this. Um, in no small part to the fact that I'm super proud of of my professionalism my company here at Roll. Yeah. I couldn't ask for better. And you guys run, run a great operation. You know, there's a couple other people we might want to give a shout out to, because I think the last time I saw you in person was at the Pipeline Entrepreneurs Gala. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, we've been, we've worked with them and uh, Melissa and, you know, she's been a guest host. She um, has, she's done a bunch of episodes. Yeah, and she's done real well with that. And uh, you talk about things and organizations that we're proud of. That's a real shining star in our entrepreneur community. Now, if you happen to be located in or around the Midwest, so you don't even need to be from Kansas City, uh, you can go to Pipeline. Pipeline Entrepreneurs. Yeah. Is that the dot .com? Is it that? Um, I believe so, yeah. But look at our QA on that. Right, Yeah. right. So, But with that, there's, that's something that, um, you know, talk about the quality of what you build. And I think as an entrepreneur, the fir- the very first thing you can do is always improve your own product, which is you. Right. And yeah, that's, that's been a very, uh, I hadn't gone to that gala before, which by the way, I'm the guy that shows up with jeans and a, and a sport coat with a startup hustle t-shirt to the, <laughs> to the black tie gala. I had gold shoes on. I did. They look good. So, you know, We've talked about a whole lot of different stuff. Did you get the, did you get the, yeah, it is. It's pipelineentrepreneurs.com. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. And you can add that to the, to the description show notes, but um, yeah, you're right. You're right. So one of the first things you need to do is as an entrepreneur, make sure you're making, you're becoming your best self so that you can be a good leader. Yeah. It's a great program for that. I think that's something, you know, I'm not a, I'm not at all shy to, to mention, you know, 47 laps around the sun for me, these shows are a regular education for mm-hmm. me. And I, I, at this point I've almost graduated. I, I dropped out of five colleges. I'm not a pedigree guy in that <laughs> regard, but, but with that, I supplemented, I think this is, I'm estimating this is about the 750th episode that I've done myself or been mm-hmm. involved with, which 
is always amazing. Uh, the things that I learn, I love looking at other people's perspective. I think as we review what we talked about today, I, perspective is a key part of building great stuff. And right. uh, I want to encourage everyone listening to exercise that that mm-hmm. tip. You know, like you're going to ha- let different people use it. I've tried a bunch of different rules. I've won, I I like to create rules because that's just, I find that if I make the rules, then <laughs> they're easier to follow and I'm way more <laughs> successful with them. But I had at one point, I had what I called the five and 75 rule, which was, so it had to do with simplicity and, and it just being intuitive. So you had to, it, whether you were five or 75, mm-hmm. you needed, and sorry, dad, you were the 75 part of it. <laughs> Meaning like, but if a five-year-old or a 75-year-old equally needed to be able to use the product and not, and not be confused by it or right. just completely blown away. Now that isn't a practical thing for maybe what you do at Real Quantum. Cause I'm not sure a five-year-old would really know what my, you, I know what my, my son and daughter would put in. It would be like nine, 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 nine. Sure. Yeah. Well, the point you make is important. Like at Real Quantum, the uh, customer base is pretty diverse in age. Um, so commercial real estate appraisal, it's a consulting gig yeah. and people can do it like attorneys or financial advisors, accountants, they can, they can taper off as they retire. Average age, 63 in the United States, right? So people work long into what in other industries maybe would be retirement years. Yeah. And it's wonderful, vibrant community. But that means we do. In our case, we don't need five-year-olds, but we need 20-year-olds and literally 85-year-olds. We have 85-year-old users on our application and everybody in between. So it does require... Um, really good user experience that is super in, uh, intuitive and that it's been through QA really. And if you're 85, then you like remembered like when the record player came out. <laughs> when it came out? I mean, close, <laughs> not that far off. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's not that far out. I mean, you look at like the, the just recording technology and all of that, you're like amazed. I mean, that I, Hey, I, my wife is a little younger than me and I was talking to her about, I, I said, you know, when I was a kid, I had a Bee Gees 45 record player. And she was nice. like, she's like, how old are you? <laughs> like she never even had that. She never had cassette tapes. So it was like straight into CDs almost, which is now, and we just actually threw away like hundreds of CDs or right. recycled them. And it felt weird because, you know, we spent so much time collecting and putting all that together and only to realize that, we had no need to keep any of it because it, you can all stream it now. They are so, digital and yeah. you can save them digital. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, Good. that's, that's the way it goes, but five and 75. And then, you know, once you, do you have any, out of all the stuff we talked about today, you know, as we wrap up this episode and once again with me today, Jeff Weiner, CEO and co-founder of real quantum, go to realquantum.com. there. You know, if you listen to the show regularly, I, I think you'll, I want to encourage you to always click the the links that are associated with our guests because I just always find it fun and interesting to see what people do, as well as asking them, you know, what are I mean, what stood out in our conversation today? That I mean, what's what, what were a couple of the key ingredients for you? Fight hard, work hard for good software testing talent, and find a way to make sure that it's a great collaborative experience with all the other members of the team, customer success, product, engineering, whatever mix makes sense for your product. But those I think are the two keys to success. Yeah. I think having it, 
and just in general, and whether it's with a dedicated QA person or not, I think the thing I want to leave everyone with is, you know, write a few things down. I think we didn't mention that, but write a few things down and, and make it known. Like, cause if you don't make it known, what's a pa- what passes and what isn't, um, I mean, it's same thing with goals, KPIs, a lot of this stuff. Be right. transparent. You don't get what you don't measure. Up. Yep. Well, Jeff, thanks for joining me, man. I guess I'll hopefully not have to wait another 500 episodes to get you back. Yeah. Let's do it sooner than that. I like it. Sounds good. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. <laughs>